Today's podcast features an article from Discern Magazine. The Incarnation, How Christmas Hides Its Meaning If Christmas is really about the birth of the Son of God, why do so many concentrate on Christmas shopping and whitewashed pagan customs while so few focus on the incredible, life-changing truth of the Incarnation? By Mike Bennett. The late theologian R.C. Sproul said, quote, What we celebrate at Christmas is not so much the birth of a baby, as important as that is, but what's so significant about the birth of that particular baby is that in this birth we have the incarnation of God himself, end of quote. But out of the billions who celebrate Christmas from Jerusalem to Japan, how many actually think about the incarnation, about God coming in the flesh? The number of Google searches gives an interesting glimpse into what people are thinking about. Christmas tree and Christmas songs each get an average of a million monthly searches, while Nativity of Jesus gets about 3,600. Christmas gifts gets 165,000, while Christmas gifts for Jesus gets 140. I realize this isn't comparing apples to apples, but if Christmas is supposed to be Jesus' birthday, why isn't he getting the gifts? Interestingly, Christmas Pagan Holiday receives 8,100 searches. Americans have been among the most ardent promoters of Christmas, but while the number of Americans who celebrate Christmas remains high, the religious aspects of the holiday are in decline. Pew Research Center's latest survey on the subject was headlined, quote, Americans say religious aspects of Christmas are declining in public life, end of quote. The survey found that not only are some of the more religious aspects of Christmas less prominent in the public sphere, but there are signs that they are on the wane in Americans' private lives and personal beliefs as well. For instance, there has been a noticeable decline in the percentage of U.S. adults who say they believe that biblical elements of the Christmas story, that Jesus was born to a virgin, for example, reflect historical events that actually occurred. This was especially true for the younger generations. For example, millennials' belief that Jesus was born to a virgin declined 12% in three years, down to 55%. Among all generations, the decline was 6%, down to 66%. Millions of non-Christians have caught the holiday spirit and celebrate Christmas around the world. What does it mean to them? Consider this snapshot of Christmas in Japan from whychristmas.com. Christmas has only been widely celebrated in Japan for the last few decades. It's still not seen as a religious holiday or celebration as there aren't many Christians in Japan. Now, several customs that came to Japan from the USA, such as sending and receiving Christmas cards and presents, are popular. Christmas Eve is thought of as a romantic day in which couples spend time together and exchange presents. In many ways, it resembles Valentine's Day celebrations in the UK and the USA. Young couples like to go for walks to look at the Christmas lights and have a romantic meal in a restaurant. Booking a table on Christmas Eve can be very difficult as it's so popular. End of quote. Today, even in traditionally Christian nations, the emphasis of the holiday is on Christmas trees and presents, ornate decorations, and customs of whitewashed pagan origins. And don't forget Santa Claus, elves, and flying reindeer. But where is Christ in all this? 
Is it any wonder that to most people an emphasis on a foundational biblical truth like the Incarnation seems out of place? What does Incarnation mean? The New King James Version of the Bible doesn't use the word Incarnation, but the concept is found in many places, especially in the writings of the Apostle John. Incarnation comes from the Latin word in carne, literally, in flesh. The Bible tells us many times that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in human flesh. Consider the beginning of John's Gospel, which spans prehistory and sets the stage for the work of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. John 1, verses 1, 3, and 14 read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. By a miracle beyond our comprehension, the Word came in human flesh among His creatures. Jesus Christ was fully divine and fully human. The Bible doesn't show the apostles spending a lot of time on the metaphysical questions that later theologians got lost in. It seems they accepted through faith the revelation that Jesus was God and man. There is no command in the Bible to celebrate the Incarnation. We are commanded to remember the death of our Savior. We read that in 1 Corinthians 11 verses 23 through 26. Of course, the Son of God could not have died if He had not come in the flesh, but the biblical focus is not on the conception, which many churches today celebrate on March 25th as the Feast of the Annunciation, or the birth of Christ, which most celebrate on December 25th. Read our article on lifehopeandtruth.com entitled The Birth of Jesus to see why these dates are surely incorrect and why God does not sanction these days. The New Testament church actually continued to celebrate the same festivals of God given throughout the Bible. You can learn more about that in our booklet, From Holidays to Holy Days, God's Plan for You. What do we need to know about the Incarnation of Christ? The Bible teaches us many things about the life of Jesus Christ and how it should impact our lives. Here are a few. Jesus' life reflected God the Father perfectly. You can read that in John 14, verses 7 through 10. Jesus said the Father is greater. John 14, verse 28. Jesus willingly and happily subordinated himself to the Father. He glorifies the Father. The Father gives honor to the Son and wants all to honor the Son. John 5, verses 21 through 23. As Thomas did, we should all acknowledge Jesus as my Lord and my God. John 20, verse 28. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 4 shows who the Son was, why He came, and what He has returned to do. While here on earth, He emptied Himself of outward glory. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Yet, he has all the fullness of the Godhead, Colossians 2, verse 9. The Son of God wants us to walk as he walked, to imitate him so we can become like him, 1 John 2, verse 6. Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call us brethren. Through him, God wants to bring many sons to glory, Hebrews 2, verses 10 through 11. He was willing to be dependent, to be tempted, and to suffer, yet remained obedient and sinless. He can sympathize with our weaknesses since he was, in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore boldly come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
That's from Hebrews 4, verses 15 through 16. By becoming human, Jesus was able to fulfill God's plan to reconcile us sinful humans to himself. Jesus did this by suffering for us and paying our death penalty for us. The book of Hebrews describes what Jesus Christ went through to be our high priest. In Hebrews 5, verses 7 through 9, In the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. The Incarnation vs. Gnosticism The Apostle John, writing at the end of the first century, saw heresy creeping into the church. He strove to expose a false doctrine that denied that Christ was fully human. 1 John 4 verses 2 through 3 By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Despite John's attempts to nip it in the bud, this false doctrine developed into a full-blown heresy known as Gnosticism. You can learn more background about that in our article on the book of 1 John on lifehopeandtruth.com. The Incarnation vs. Antichrist John even equated denying that Jesus came in the flesh with being against Christ, or Antichrist. 2 John 1 verse 7 For many deceivers have come out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an Antichrist. John was referring to anyone working against Christ, but of course, people today use the term Antichrist in a more limited way. Antichrist is now used to describe one specific man working evil in the end times, the one the Bible refers to as the false prophet and the man of sin. You can learn more about him in our article, Will You Recognize the Antichrist, on lifehopeandtruth.com. The Incarnation and You The Incarnation and You the incarnation of Jesus Christ, his willingness to live this physical life, to deeply understand and empathize with our sufferings, and to give his very life for each of us, is awesome and encouraging. It should motivate us to respond. What does he expect in response? Not a day of commercialized paganism, but a lifetime of change and conversion. A zealous few will take the time to study more about the specific steps God instructs us to take by downloading our free booklet, Change Your Life, available on the Learning Center at lifehopeandtruth.com. Will you be among them? Thanks for listening. For more information from today's featured article, visit lifehopeandtruth.com.